All right, everybody. All right, we're going to get going and uh, good to hear all those conversations and uh, good to be together in prayer and in worship this morning. My name is uh, Dan and um, I have a little cold, so bear with me today. Sound a little weird as I hear myself. Um, I'm one of the leaders and elders here, and uh, it's my privilege to, to open God's Word with you this morning and um, kind of look at what God has to say through chapter 11 of Hebrews about faith. Um, and uh, I cannot not say that it's a happy Super Bowl Sunday, if you didn't know. Yeah. If you didn't know, it's Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, there's, there's some commercials that are going to be on TV today that are going to be really good, and then some football in between those commercials, so <laughs> tune in. Um, well, this morning we're going to be in chapter 11 of Hebrews, and this is, this is a passage, this chapter is actually referred to a lot of scholars as the Hall of Faith. Um, not the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Faith, because it's just basically a, a long outline of heroes of the faith just giving us a, a glimpse into the, their lives and what they faced in relationship to God. Um, an ongoing theme in Hebrews really has been for us to, to look back in the past, in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and figure out what that means for us going forward. Like, What does it mean for us to look back and see the way God worked in old times, in the ancient times, and how does that inform us as we live our lives for God? Um, so chapter 11, um, John Piper summarizes this chapter. He says, the point of chapter 11 in Hebrews is to flesh out and demonstrate more stories of faith so that we would imitate the faith and inherit the, inherit the promises of God. And he continues, he encourages us to have heroes, know some church history, know some missionary biography, know some great Christian businessmen and women, know some people who poured their lives into church and family and community for the sake of Christ. Know their faith and be encouraged by them and imitate him, them. That's the point of this chapter, is that we would have a, a vision for who to imitate and be encouraged um, in our own lives. So I was thinking about, I was thinking about this idea of just like inspi inspiring myself with different influences in my life. And I, one thing... I love concerts. I'm a musician. I love going to concerts. And I love even watching concert videos on, on TV. I don't know if anybody likes that. My wife hates it, so I hardly ever, well, I hardly ever really watch them anymore. But um, I love watching concert videos, and I realize that I love that because as a musician, to watch somebody else perform at such a high level, and like they've worked years and years to get to where they're at, that really motivates and inspires me as I go back to like practicing my instrument, it's like, okay, I just saw what level somebody could get to on this instrument, and like, that's calling me to greater things on my own instrument. So, just kind of an idea of like what this chapter can do for us, that we would be inspired and be in awe of those ancient saints, um, what they did, but not only what they did in action, but what they, like how they viewed the world, um, how they... Um, let their relationship of, uh, with God kind of take a, a predominant place in their lives, motivating factor for everything that they did. 
So as we dive into chapter 11, um, I want to invite you to stand as we read this whole chapter together. So buckle up. It's going to be a little while here as we read through this chapter this morning. Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by, his, by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have the opportunity to they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had promised, who had received the promises, was in fact uh, was in the, the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, "Through Isaac shall your offspring be named." He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. How are we doing? <laughs> Here we go, 23. By faith, Moses, was, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful 
and then they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to, rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not, having, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And by faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they t- attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, and they were killed by, with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though con- commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should, not, they should not be made perfect. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for this chapter that you led the author of Hebrews to write these things for us to receive today. And I pray that, um, God, you give us hearts and minds that are open and, and willing and able to receive what you want to say to us through your word. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that is here in this place as we gather, as we worship you, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would would prompt our hearts and minds this morning. Would you be honored in this place? Amen. All right, you can take a seat. So, as we just read, this whole chapter really is about faith. Like, what is faith? Um, That's my first point. It's like, Let's define this term. Let's define this term. What is faith? And the second thing I want to look at is how, how do we live by faith? What does it look like for us to live by faith? And how does this, the third point, how does this point us to Christ? How does our faith in reading of these heroes of the faith, how does that actually point us to Jesus? So I want to begin this chap- as this chapter begins by looking at kind of a definition of faith. Like, what is this term that we've been using here all over the place? You know, this not a, it's not an uncommon sort of word to hear in our culture. We, we hear that word faith a lot, but it's usually 
referred, referring to some like blind hope or kind of positive thoughts about something we think and hope will happen in our lives. It usually revolves around like our betterment, um, and um, we just kind of hold that uh, a good feeling about something. But faith in God and the unseen reality that goes with um, living with God, um, it really flies in the face of everything in our culture today. We live in a really weird world. It's a world where truth is defined by like how we feel about something, and if we feel something, then it must be true. And everybody needs to respect what's true for us. And also, our culture is really... Um, analytical at the same time. Like, if you can't prove something scientifically, you got to trust the science. Like, we need to prove something and, and be able to, like, dissect it and scientifically know what is true and what is not. But faith in God and the Christian faith defined in Scripture is really countercultural to that. There's an ultimate truth in God's Word um, that we are all subject to, an ultimate truth, and there are things in our world that can't be scientifically proven and measured. There's an unseen reality, and we see that throughout this chapter. People living with the unseen reality as like their, their reality. Um, so I want to start kind of looking at this chapter, just getting our bearings from where we were in chapter 10. Last week, um, we read in, in chapter 10, verse 22, that we're supposed to have our eyes fixed on Christ and encouraged us in that. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And so we come out of chapter 10 with an encouragement to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and have our faith firmly anchored in him. And so the author now returns to this theme of uh, having faith. You know, have faith because God is faithful. Uh, describes, he describes like what it is and how these heroes of the faith all lived it out. And, and we, were, we were having a discussion about this idea in uh, the book of Hebrews a few weeks ago in our community group just about what a challenge the idea of faith would have been for the, the original readers of the book of Hebrews, um, the Jewish believers. The Jewish faith was so rooted in like ritual and sacrifice and doing things in order to, to earn like right standing with God. The idea of faith in coming to Christ simply on the basis of faith and not by works would have really been a, a, a challenge. Um, you know, Paul makes it clear in Romans 3.28 that we are justified by faith and not by works of the law. The law and the perfect sacrifice that, that the Jews were, were wanting was fully attained in Christ, and only through faith can we be made right. That would have been a really challenging concept for them to, to, to grasp, you know, these Jewish Christians. Um, but it also remains a challenge for us. I would say too. It's easy to kind of displace the idea of like, I can come to God simply on the basis of faith and not try to bring like, but I'm going to do these good works at the same time to try to like prove myself. And so if we look at verse one in chapter 11, this, this idea of um, 
faith starts to get defined for us. It says, faith, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. And I would say this isn't as much a definition of faith as it is kind of a, a two-pronged uh, uh, perspective. The first perspective is that faith is the assurance of things that we hope for. Like the promises of God um, are what we're looking to. Um, we have an assurance and a confidence in the fundamental reality of God's future promises, even when we don't see it in the present. The second perspective is a conviction of things that we have not seen. This, this idea of the unseen reality, um, God's presence in the here and now, even when we can't see it. There's a spiritual dimension in our lives that we need to um, account for. Um, so this, this theme of things unseen is kind of scattered throughout this chapter, and it's really like highlighted in people's lives that are living and acting out these convictions in relationship with God beyond what they can kind of see and measure in the physical world. The other point here in the first uh, few verses of this chapter is that faith is the means by which we relate to God, and it says the only way we can please God and come to God is by faith. So verse 2 uh, says, For by it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. And if you jump down to verse 6, it says, and we, we start to see like the emphasis about why faith is the theme in this whole chapter. It says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So the author is really getting down to like the, the reason for faith being the prominent um, word in this chapter. Faith is the only avenue that we can come to God and please him. The only avenue that we can attain right standing with God. So two truths there from verse 6. When we come to God, we first need to believe that he exists and believe that he rewards those who seek him. And that's really what we see throughout this chapter, but especially in verses 4 and 5, the faith of Abel and Enoch gives them right standing with God, and they are commended as righteous because of their faith, having pleased God. Um, and for us, um, it's just a, a kind of a concept that we need to remember that faith is really the only way that anything that Christ did on the cross can actually apply to us. It has any bearing on our lives is only through faith. Faith is the only way that what Christ did on the cross can have any bearing on our lives. We need to first believe that Jesus was the Son of God, and then we need to put our trust in him and be united with Christ and receive forgiveness of sins and redemption. So just to review there, what have we learned about uh, faith. It's the assurance of God's future promises and the conviction about things that we can't see in the current. And without faith, we can't please God. And he rewards those who have faith, who seek him. But this doesn't mean that Christian faith is just a blind faith. Um, I love how Tim Keller makes this clear point that faith is belief based on evidence and reason and past experiences with a faithful God. We use our minds as we think about 
our faith and our belief, um, it's helpful to, to remember that. We don't just kind of make a decision to blindly believe in something. We actually use our minds and think about the world in which we live. And we see this in verse 3. It says, by faith we understand the universe. Um, and I would argue it's probably more difficult to understand all the complexity of the universe with nothing but physical and empirical evidence. Like, if that's all you can use to define and like give purpose to our life and the universe, it's going to be a lot harder. Um, I, I was thinking about my own life. Um, I used to... <laughs> I used to live in Santa Barbara and go surfing at this uh, surf spot called Serena Point, and um, it's kind of cool. But the, the funny thing about this, this surf spot is that it's really hard to get to. So you have to park on this street, and then you, you walk down this hill and underneath a, the, the street through this like um, drainage culvert, and um, it's just super funny. Somebody told me how to find it, and the way this culvert works is it goes under the street and then it turns, and then it keeps going out to the ocean. So you have to walk through this thing, but because it turns in the middle of this um, culvert, like there is no light that gets through. So it's like you get halfway in, and it's completely dark. I remember being in there, and like I can't, like you almost like lose your perspective because it's just dark everywhere. Like there is no light at all. So the first few times, I had somebody walk me through, show me how it's done, then I took a, a, a flashlight, I think, one time, and then <laughs> the last time I remember going through with my kids, and Sage, I was talking to this about, um, about this yesterday with Sage, and he's like, yeah, I remember that tunnel we went through, and I, was, I had tears in my eyes. I came out because it was so dark. <laughs> um, but I remember going through this tunnel and thinking, like, this is crazy. Like, I, I just trust that I know where I'm going. I'm just feeling the walls, and it's kind of rocky on the ground. Complete darkness. The floor is uneven and wet, and I remember going through there and getting a little freaked out. Um, but, you know, my past experiences, being in there with a flashlight, being led through there, knowing the length of this tunnel, and knowing, like, okay, if I can get halfway through, there's going to be some light I'm going to see from the other end, um, and the reward of, like, a surf break that not many people, like, get to, um, that was kind of what I was able to rely on. So it, if I like just use my eyes, it would just be like, this is insanity. I can't see anything. Um, but using your mind to like um, remember the truth about a situation is helpful. It says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by faith and not by sight. There's more to our faith than just what we see. All right, so second point, I want to look at what does it look like for us to live by faith? Um, this whole chapter is giving us examples of people who live by this radical faith. But, you know, if we look at verses 8 through 16, it's really um, looking at the faith of Abraham and Sarah, the promise of God to Abraham that he will have an inheritance of a great and an established nation. Um, but this came to him in a time in his life when he was living in a tent without any children. So Abraham traveled his whole life without an established home. He lived as a foreigner in the land of Canaan, and he had the promise of God um, for this established city of God, but he was living in a tent as a nomad. He was faithful in the present because he had confidence of this promise of God in the future, what God would do in the future 
uh, colored everything about his current situation. He beheld something that was coming, but he never even saw that promise completely fulfilled. He believed God's promises, but in fact, he died without ever seeing them completed and fulfilled. And we realize that has kind of a significance for us, that we, um, as, oh, is that me? As like foreigners in, in this land uh, of life, we remember that there's more going on here, that, that we, have an, we have a home beyond just this earthly existence. We are strangers and foreigners on earth. We are made for a better and eternal home. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. You've probably seen it before, but it's so good. I'm going to use it anyway. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I have been made for another world. As the chapter continues, we read of Abraham in verses 17 and 18 that he was ready to sacrifice Isaac, his son, when it was clear to him that his offspring and this great nation he was promised was going to come through Isaac. It's almost like he was um, trusting God even though God was going back on his word or something. Um, And this is just a picture of heroic faith. Uh, You know, the story ends and God provides a ram for Abraham to sacrifice. But we read of this, the, the faith that is passed down through Isaac, Jacob, Esau, Joseph, the generations of faith that is passed down and the promises of God. And we come to Moses and the exodus from Egypt. And so I want to look at the third point. How do these stories of faith point us to Christ? Like these are great stories from the Old Testament, but how does that actually like get us to, to Christ? I love this one verse tucked away in the middle of the chapter, verse 26. It says, um, Moses, uh, he, Moses, considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses understood the weight of God's promise in Christ, and for him, it far outweighed the treasures of Egypt. So this is telling us that Moses was anticipating Christ, the promise of God, and the fulfillment of God's plan in Jesus. Moses um, did indeed write about a prophet that would come that is greater in Deuteronomy 18, um, verse 15 and 16. He writes, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly. We don't often think of like what happens in Moses, in the, the life of Moses, in the Moses story, the Exodus story, relating much to Jesus, but it's clear that uh, Moses is anticipating the promises fulfilled, of uh, God's promises fulfilled in Christ. And we see this, like if we look at Jesus' life, he refers back to some of these things. He says, um, when he was resurrected, when Jesus was resurrected, he's on the road, of, uh, road to Emmaus with his followers in Luke 24, uh, 25 through 27. It says, And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he in- interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. 
Moses suffered under slavery in Egypt and looked forward to the freedom not only of the Israelites from Egypt, but also the ultimate freedom from sin of the whole world that would receive that through Christ. And this brings up an interesting point that we don't often consider, that because our God is a trinity, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Christ was actually present in all of these Old Testament stories, these heroes of the faith, Christ was with them. And we see this in, in chapter 8 of John. Jesus is the I, he defines himself as the I am that Abraham rejoiced in. And Jesus, Jesus speaking to the Pharisees here in, in John 8, 56 through 58. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and how have you seen Abraham? And Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And Jesus was with Moses as he led the people out of Egypt. In Jude 5, 5, we read, now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. Another example of this is Jesus um, in John 5, 39. It says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. The whole Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. It's clear that these great heroes of the faith anticipated the fulfillment of God's promise in Jesus. And in fact, Christ was present with them in these stories in the Old Testament. Okay, so because of God's promises fulfilled in Christ, how does this encourage us today? Um, we read in, in chapter 11, verse 32 through 38, a litany of inspiring and encouraging acts of faith amidst great hardship, persecution, and even death. Um, the author of Hebrews is clearly making a point here to strengthen us not to waver in our commitment to Christ in the face, in the face of great oppression. And for the original Hebrew um, readers, they would have been, you know, this would have been a great encouragement because they had faced a lot of persecution. Um, we read this back in chapter 10, uh, 32 through 35. Um, the author is encouraging them um, to, to hold to the faith. He says, but recall the former days when you, when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. It's the same for us, the same encouragement for us, that when we face trials and hardships, even persecution, that we would, that we would trust the promises of God. And so this brings us to the, the, the last two chapter or the last two verses in the chapter 11. It says, "All these things, though commended um, all these, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect." Um, one of the commentaries I was reading by Tremper Longman, he, he has this comment on these final two verses. I love this. 
if all the great men and women of this chapter could provide such a shining example of faith in action, even though they lived in a time of unfulfillment, how much more should those who have now experienced the culmination of God's saving purpose stand firm as his people? Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all these ancient heroes looked ahead in anticipation of God's fulfillment in Christ, but they died without ever seeing it. But we have the privilege of knowing the completed work in Jesus. So let, it, let that um, allow us to press on in confidence and assurance. And I'm sure many of you have had a similar experience of like knowing somebody in your life who has inspired you, your own faith in Jesus. Somebody who lives um, in, a, in, in a way that convicts you and inspires you to, to live uh, more faithfully to Jesus. I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral, somebody who's died who's been exemplary, and you've, you've thought to yourself, that's what I want people to say about me at my funeral. A few years ago, several years ago, um, one of the most godly men I know, and it was a father figure to my wife, Serena, um, he died, and his name was Layman Bishop. It was heartbreaking. It was a sudden heart attack. He was on a mission trip in Ghana and building a, a hospital there. And this unexpected heart attack took his life and left everyone devastated. And this man was one of the most kind and generous men I think I've ever met. Um, he loved his wife. He lived exemplary, like virtuous life um, to everyone he came in contact with, part of his church. He lived in a faithful obedience um, to the call that Jesus had placed on his life. But I'll never forget some of the words that were spoken at his funeral and the amount of people that came that had been touched by his life, by his faith in Jesus. And it was funny, I remember talking to people at the funeral and everybody was saying, I thought I had a special relationship with with Layman, but it's like everybody had that same experience of generosity with this man and uh, could testify to, to what, what his life was like um, in his home and out among uh, other people. Layman had a faith that inspired many people around him to live a life that poured the love of Jesus into other people. And he was a, uh, a hero of the faith that inspires me. We, we named our second, our second boy, uh, his middle name is Layman, in memory of him. But I don't know if there's somebody in your life who would be placed in that hall of faith um, for you. Somebody that inspires you and calls you to, to deeper faithfulness to Jesus. Um, but I encourage you to take, take some time as we continue to sing and worship to just reflect on how you want to shape your life because of knowing that other, um, other person's story. Let it call you to, to a deeper faith with Jesus. Last week, the author of Hebrews encouraged us uh, with this uh, couple verses here, and I want to close with this. And this is chapter 10, verse 35, verse 36. Um, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Do not throw away your confidence, 
It's a reward for us. We need endurance so that after we have done the will of God, we may receive what has been promised to us. Would you pray with me as we close? God, we thank you for um, this chapter. We thank you for the examples in Scripture of those who lived faithfully to your uh, promises, lived faithfully to the unseen reality of your work in this world and in their lives. And God, I pray that you would give us the gift of faith, and we understand that faith is a gift of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would give us that, that gift of faith, that we might live our lives, uh, lives shaped after you, inspiring other people, but being inspired by people around us to, to live in that confident assurance of your promises, Lord. And I pray that you you take us deeper, Lord. You remind us of our need for you and our need for uh, the body of Christ to encourage us um, in, in our relationship with you, Lord. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.